I'm Andy Otto. It's the 29th of September, and this is Thought Press. Al-Qaeda's number two man is dead, and that's a big blow to the terrorist organization. U.S. soldiers were tipped off and stormed Abu Azam's apartment, killing him. Meanwhile, at the Labor Party conference, Iraq remains a hot issue. You can't force democracy on people by means of war, invasion, and occupation. More of that discussion on this program. With all the recent hurricane devastation in southern United States, the government begins to wonder if weather forecasts could better predict the human effects of such storms. Also, butterflies are more than a kid's fascination. Some are trying to keep the beautiful monarch butterfly alive for future generations. Apple's iPod Nano has some problems. And finally, should Darwin's theory of evolution be taught alongside creationism? Jim Malone brings us that story. All this next on Thought Press. I'm Andy Otto. This is Thought Press, where we try to bring things all together for you and open your world to something new. You may access this enhanced program in MP3 format on our website, thoughtpress.blogspot.com. There you can leave comments or email us at thoughtpress at gmail.com. Our voice line is also open for your thoughts 24 hours a day. Just call 206-33-THINK, and your thoughts may be heard on this podcast. That number is 206-338-4465. Let's begin with the big news about the death of Abu Azam, al-Qaeda's number two man. He was found west of downtown Baghdad in an apartment. Soldiers broke down the doors and opened fire on Azam, killing him. The tip was given by an Iraqi detainee. Life Kuba is an Iraqi government spokesperson. He says, through an interpreter, that this is a big deal for al-Qaeda. This is a very important news because Abu Azam is responsible for carrying out random attacks in Baghdad, especially the random attacks against the Shiite Muslims. He was responsible for the logistics, communication, and he is responsible for uh, planning the car bombs which killed hundreds of Iraqi citizens. Azam was on Iraq's 29 most wanted insurgents list and had a $50,000 bounty on him. Last year, he claimed responsibility for a number of assassinations. Spokesman Kuba said that Azam was the most significant of the al-Qaeda leaders, although this does not mean the terrorist organization cannot carry out any more attacks. Security in Baghdad and elsewhere in Iraq is being strengthened before the October 15th national referendum on the country's draft constitution. Sunni extremist Abu Musab al-Zakari has declared his aim to kill all Shiites in Iraq and Sunni Arabs who participate in Iraq's political process. Now, at the recent Labor Party conference, the topic of Iraq was, of course, the most controversial issue. Foreign Secretary Jack Straw said troops must remain in Iraq in order for the country to become a stable democratic nation. None of us should underestimate the challenges that still lie ahead in Iraq. Nation-building from a violent past has never been easy. Now, and let us say, state Germany after the war. After the war, there was great hardship and much unrest. You know, after the war in Germany, it took four years, four years of huge difficulty before any national elections could be held. In Iraq, there have been national elections in less than two years. 
The deputy leader of the Transport and General Workers Union, Barry Camfield, said he supported democratic change in Iraq, but that it must come directly from the Iraqi people if it is to be sustained. You can't force democracy on people by means of war, invasion and occupation. Unless, of course, you intend to stay for a very long time. Let's hope the model is not the one suffered by India for three centuries. Let's bring our troops home. As we mentioned not long ago, an overwhelming number of Americans, 63%, believe troops should be withdrawn from Iraq. What do you think? Call our voice line at 206-33-THINK or email thoughtpress at gmail.com. With the devastation lately from the Gulf Coast hurricanes, one begins to question the accuracy of hurricane prediction. The storms are so unpredictable, and we really don't know where they're headed for sure until the last minute, it seems. And it took Hurricane Katrina for realization to take place around the country when it comes to safety of life. Max Mayfield is National Hurricane Center Director. When people ask me when we really became concerned about the, uh, you know, the flooding in uh, New Orleans, and the, you know, the answer to that is just decades ago. You know, it didn't just happen with Katrina. We've been concerned about that, and every previous director at the National Hurricane Center before me, they have all been uh, united in saying that the greatest potential. For the nightmare scenario and the large loss of life is in that southeastern Louisiana area. Senators expressed frustration that emergency preparations for Katrina were delayed and that lives and property were unnecessarily lost. They questioned the experts about the science of hurricane prediction and why monster storms like Katrina seem to be striking the U.S. with increased frequency. Without invoking global warming, I think that the just the natural variability alone is uh, what this can be attributed to. And uh, I think the, the important thing here is that even without invoking uh, global warming, we need to make sure that we get our country prepared for what we think will be another 10 or 20 years of active hurricane activity. Forecasters use lots of tools to predict the path of hurricanes, but one must go beyond that science in order to predict the human effects. Mark Levitin is from Louisiana State University. What will be the, the number of buildings flooded? What will be the, the number of casualties, number of rescues needed? We don't have that yet, and that's absolutely important. We're developing those techniques. The universities and uh, other groups are developing those techniques. He was present in Louisiana before the storm and says when he was briefing the public, he wishes predictions could have been more accurate when it came to the human loss and rescue efforts. But as the person in Saturday afternoon and Sunday and Monday who was in the state, in Louisiana Emergency Operations Center, briefing these results... I wish to God that I could have been able to brief that we needed 20,000 helicopter rescues, that we, could, that we needed uh, uh, all this medical uh, uh, evacuations. Uh, but we, the state of the science is not there yet, and, and we desperately need to move, move ahead. If, if we could have briefed that, then maybe that would have helped the response get rolling a little bit faster. Levitan, among others, say the hurricane scale, which has five categories, must be modernized and include factors such as flooding, wind, and storm size things that would better reflect the storm's destructive potential. You're listening to Thought Press.
A caterpillar is a growing up stage in the life of a moth or butterfly. After a while, the caterpillar forms a chrysalis. The chrysalis is a resting stage during which the animal changes into a beautiful butterfly. Ah, yes, the butterfly, a fun pastime of summer children catching them and watching them flutter through the air. For some, however, tracking butterflies is a passion whose mission is to protect the insect. Roseanne Skirbel reports. The monarch is the world's only migrating butterfly. Each year, tens of millions of these fragile insects make a round-trip journey across North America to Mexico and back. Now, a group of humans have embarked on a bold mission to track the monarch's migration and help protect the insect and its habitat. On a soccer field near downtown Washington, Francisco Gutierrez is working with his crew to assemble his ultralight aircraft. The veteran pilot has painted the wings black and gold, just like a monarch butterfly's. It's exactly the same hang glider. You can see now they are putting down the, the wing, and then we put this unit with engine that can carry two people, pilot and passengers. And with this uh, light aircraft, that for me is like a butterfly for us, you know. This is an ultralight airplane, which means, like the monarch butterfly, you must encounter good and bad weather. Yes, exactly. Look, for example, some days we don't fly. We are like monarchs. We are sharing the weather with them. So if they don't fly, we don't fly. Francisco Gutierrez and a team of co-pilots from Canada, the United States, and Mexico are flying the migration route of the monarch. Their journey in the Papalotzin, which means little butterfly in the ancient Aztec language, began in August in Canada and ends in November in Valle de Bravo, Mexico, where monarchs hibernate in winter. It's amazing that is this incredible insect of less than one gram flies 5,500 kilometers every year with no problem. And not one, millions. All the monarchs from North America go to this place in just a few square miles. Monarch expert Lincoln Brower from Sweetbriar College is on hand to welcome the pilots and crew to Washington, one of more than a dozen stops they'll make between Canada and Mexico. He says the monarch's realm is a three-country phenomenon. The monarch migration is dependent upon what happens in, in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, and particularly in the U.S. Because the monarchs lay their eggs only on milkweed plants, the caterpillars can't eat anything else, and the females never make a mistake. They only lay on milkweeds. By November, tens of millions of monarchs born in the United States and Canada will converge on the high elevation fir and pine forests of central Mexico. Carlos Galindo Leal is forest coordinator for World Wildlife Fund, a co-sponsor of the tracking mission. He says, despite a reserve established to protect monarch habitat, illegal logging continues to destroy valuable forest land. He says the successful efforts to halt this practice reach beyond the monarch to the ecology of the region. The monarch is only one species; it's an important species. But these forests also have a lot of unique species. These are really tall mountains. The monarch is、uh, basically sitting at 3,000 meters, so it's pretty high up. And up there, there are unique species endemic to the mountains: salamanders, there are birds, there are 
not only do we protect this species, but also the water, about 30% of the water that is there goes to the main cities, including Mexico City. So basically, we think that with this, you really improve the life for the butterflies, for the other creatures, for the people, and for, for everyone, the tourists, everyone. Monarch expert Lincoln Brower says a sustainable environment requires balance between human and economic uses of the land. You just can't keep extracting it. You're going to destroy the natural biodiversity on vast areas of this planet. The pilots and crew tracking the monarch migration route share Mr. Brower's passion for the insect. The team, which is producing a movie about their journey, is also writing a daily weblog at www.papalotzen.com, which details their progress and invites you along for a virtual ride with the monarch butterflies. I'm Roseanne Skirbel. Apple has had some problems with their new iPod Nanos. Turns out many users' display screens were cracked when they got them. Not to mention the unit scratches very easily. Apple says sorry to the latter complaint, but to those whose screens have cracked, it will replace them at no charge. They said it was a vendor issue and only affected less than one-tenth of a percent of iPod Nanos. Affected users may contact Apple Care. As for the scratching, lots of users are complaining on forums. A search for iPod Nano scratches shows bloggers are talking, but less complaints and more solutions to the scratching problem. For a link to one of those scratch-removing solutions, go to our website, thoughtpress.blogspot.com. And now we end with the controversial issue of evolution. A new challenge to Charles Darwin's theory of evolution is being heard in a federal courtroom in the northeast state of Pennsylvania. Here's Jim Malone. At issue is whether an alternative theory to evolution should be taught in the Dover, Pennsylvania school district. The alternative is known as intelligent design. Supporters say Darwin's theory of evolution, based on natural selection and the survival of the fittest, does not fully explain the origin of life. They argue that the emergence of complex life forms on Earth was the result of an unidentified intelligent force. Supporters of intelligent design are silent on whether a godlike creator is the instrument for creation. But supporters of Darwin's theory of evolution contend that intelligent design is nothing more than a new twist on creationism, the belief that God created the world as told in Genesis and the Christian Bible. 
Barry Callahan is one of 11 parents who are trying to prevent the Dover School Board from including the theory of intelligent design in high school classes on biology. Religion does not need, cannot be in science class. Science isn't about who. Science is about what. Experts who support Darwin's view of evolution have testified at the trial that virtually every prominent scientific organization in the United States supports evolution by natural selection as an unshakable pillar of modern science. Nick Matsky is with a group called the National Center for Science Education. He says supporters of intelligent design want to mix religion and science. Intelligent design is just a new label for creationism. It's just the latest legal strategy for creationism. It evolved in 1987, right after the Supreme Court ruled against creationism uh, and said that that was unconstitutional. Supporters of intelligent design contend that the issue is not about God, but about the right to present an alternative view of evolution to students. Richard Thompson is a lawyer defending the right of the Dover School Board to include references to intelligent design in the school system's science classes. What the theory of intelligent design says is looking at the complex nature, it could not have happened by random chance. It could not have happened by Darwin's theory of natural selection. The Supreme Court banned the teaching of the religious-based theory of creationism in public schools in 1987, ruling that it violated the constitutional mandate of keeping church and state separate. Lawyer Richard Thompson says that students should know that there is a debate about the origins of life and that they should be exposed to the theory of intelligent design. It's good education to allow students to know that there is a controversy surrounding biological evolution. Advocates on both sides of the case believe it's likely that the issue will one day wind up being argued before the Supreme Court. Jim Malone, Washington. Should creation be covered in science classes even briefly? Your emails are welcome. Our address is thoughtpress at gmail.com. If you're enjoying ThoughtPress, let us know by emailing us. Better yet, head to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. Occasionally, we'll let you know about a new feature of our podcast or an interesting story we may cover. It'll put you more in touch with us and open your world a bit more. Just a subtle compliment to the podcast you already love. Go to thoughtpress.blogspot.com. I'm Andy Otto, and you've just been listening to ThoughtPress. You may follow up with links or stories mentioned in this program through our website, thoughtpress.blogspot.com. If you have suggestions or comments or would like to be heard on ThoughtPress, call us at 206-33-THINK or email thoughtpress at gmail.com. Our number again is 206-338-4465. Our audio is hosted by archive.org and select contents provided by Voice of America. Don't forget to visit our website, thoughtpress.blogspot.com. 